0: Is regulation of the crypto markets a good thing or a bad thing? Well, depending who you talk to, you get differing opinions. Shocker. In this episode, we're pleased to introduce you to David Drake, the founder of LDJ Capital, a multifamily office which deals in worldwide funds accessing over $1.5 trillion in assets. That's right. I said a trillion. And David has some interesting thoughts on crypto regulation. The G20 met and they made an announcement about regulating crypto that might make you smile and there are some things on the Bitcoin blockchain that could land you in jail and then you won't be smiling. Also, I'm thrilled to announce that my 15th book is coming out this summer. We'll tell you how you can download a free chapter right now because that would make both you and me smile. Obviously, there's plenty of smiles going around at the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, so if you're not in a good mood now, you soon will be. It's episode number 102 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, Who's that? It's the Bad Crypto Podcast Gang in the Morning with Joel and Travis. How you doing, Trav? It's Plucky and Jim. (laughs) Plucky and Jim. That probably was a thing somewhere, wasn't it?
1: Don't know. I just made up it right then on the fly because that's why we
0: roll. Yes, and. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I told you there'd be smiles and already there are. I'm grinning because I love doing this show. I love speaking with you about all things crypto, because when you break it down, we're just two dudes talking crypto.
1: Two dudes talking crypto.
0: That does sound like it should be a jingle. Welcome, friends, to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious and occasionally the crypto hilarious we're glad that you're here we got a great episode ahead for you Uh, and make sure that you go to the facebook mastermind as you're listening to this episode and let us know what your favorite quote is, whether it's something serious or silliest that Travis says that I say or our guest today says, because you're really going to love um, listening to him. Just put look for the post in the Bad Crypto Mastermind at badco.in forward slash mastermind and let us know what you think would make for a good meme, you know, something that we can share on social. If we use the quote that you have shared with us, we'll put your name there at the bottom and say, thanks for sharing.
1: Yeah, and what would be awesome is if it's something that's like you know maybe a minute quote or even a minute and a half or even if it's like a or if it's a small one, it's fine. If you could put the timestamp there, that would be even more helpful because we might actually take that timestamp out and then make a little video with that audio and put it out on social. So, that'd be very- oh,
0: yeah. look at that! That's sweet. You know, you know who's going to be smiling right now, Travis? Everyone listening to the show. But you know who else is going to be smiling, one person in particular, because he is the first winner in our World CryptoCon weekly ticket giveaway uh, that's taking place in Las Vegas, October 31st through November 2nd, that uh, we'll be emceeing and do Bad Crypto Live at. Mr. Richard Tubbs, congratulations, you have won two tickets, one for you and a friend or an enemy. You know, whatever, whoever you want to give it to. Uh, Maybe you have an enemy that you want to turn into a friend, and giving them a ticket would certainly be one way to do that. So, you'll be hearing from our team and the World CryptoCon people. And if you guys want to enter to win, it's simple. All you got to do is go subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Mm
1: -hmm. So, did you say Ricardo Tubbs? Is that who won?
0: (laughs) No, this is not a Miami Vice reference it's oh, richard okay. Tubbs.
1: okay so yeah i thought it was rico Tubbs or whatever his name was in the show, right no
0: no mind. oh i don't think it's the same guy i mean Maybe if it is, is, Maybe then it, is the it could be philip congratulations
1: congratulations philip michael thomas you're going to world CryptoCon. yeah
0: he can invite Crockett to uh yeah. to go with him so and, uh, and they will rock it Where, uh, where's to the moon
1: wear some bright colors you know 80s it up
0: So if you guys want to win a ticket for next week's giveaway, go to badco.in forward slash WCC. Just put your name, your email in, and you will be automatically entered and you will receive our newsletter. And that will make you smile. So many smiles. We're dealing with smiles. We're like smiles dealers. Miles of smiles. And I'm smiling right now, Travis, because I am holding in my hand a a passion project for me. It is a advanced reader edition of my 15th book. And this one is if there ever was a core message for me, this is it. It's called the fun formula, how curiosity, risk taking and serendipity can revolutionize how you work. Uh, And this book basically reverse engineers the successes that I've had over the years. And, um, I think you guys are going to like it. How would you like a free chapter?
1: I would love a free chapter, Mr. Joel Kamm.
0: You can get a free chapter. You guys can go check it out right now. Download the first chapter for free at badco.in forward slash fun. And that'll make you smile.
1: Very good. Congratulations, man. 15 books. I, I got my work cut out for me to catch up to you. I don't think I will ever have anywhere near that book. I maybe have one or two more books in me. I only have one book digital sense and none of you guys get a, a copy of the chapter of that because i'm not giving i'm not fun i'm not smile delivery guy <laughs> go buy it it's on amazon digital sense
0: <laughs> don't be cheap yeah gosh amazon start taking bitcoin so people can buy travis's book okay more smiles coming your way we really loved uh, interviewing david drake he's a great Guy, and uh, we're going to be following up with him because uh, there's some potential synergies for uh, what he's doing in Bad Crypto. But first, why don't you get to know him as we did in the feature interview, Mr. Travis Wright? While we were in uh, South by Southwest, we had an opportunity to uh, to meet a gentleman who said we needed to meet with another gentleman. Uh, the first gentleman was Jordan French. Jordan writes for The Street. Dot com And Jordan says, have you had David Drake on your show? And, and, uh, you know, call me an idiot. But I said, who? And then I went and researched him. I'm like, oh, that David Drake. And I said, no, we haven't. And so we've invited him. David is the founder and chairman at LDJ Capital. They are a multifamily office, which deals in worldwide funds accessing over, get this, $1.5 trillion in assets. And David is also a leader in the cryptocurrency arena. He saw the value of digital assets many, many, many years ago. In 2011, uh, he collaborated on the JOBS Act to create new laws underlying all fundraising in the U.S. for ICOs. And he's got a $200 million Cayman Fund focused on crypto mining and ICO acquisitions. He likes to talk crypto, blockchain, and investing. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, David Drake.
2: Well, thank you for having me on here. I kind of gonna enjoy talking about bad crypto podcasts, opportunities and uh, pit, uh, potholes, so to say. So uh, glad to be here and uh, let me know, where should we start? Are you bad at heart? That's what we want to know. No, but I do tell my wife I'm a bad boy like that.
0: <laughs> well, that would turn into a different podcast then if we went down that right. Bad
2: <laughs> crypto
1: podcast. <laughs> You're so bad, David. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sometimes I think they like hearing it more than the actual act. And let's not read into that. But let's go into crypto right away. Uh, we had a tumultuous in a couple of weeks. Crypto is taking a bad fall. Ether's down below 600. And uh, the billionaires in Forbes are no longer billionaires if they're sitting on crypto. So we might have to update those uh, publications from the last couple of weeks. Yeah, what do you
0: think is happening? What 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 took place? I mean, we saw the huge rise take place through early January, and then kaboom. What do you think actually was happening behind the scenes?
2: Well, I had a chance to speak at uh, CNBC, and I told them it's going to be a cold winter because there's so much uncertainty, doubt, there's no direction. And, you know, the whole world is really looking at this SEC and FINRA in the U.S. And the reason they look at the SEC and FINRA in the U.S. is because the SSC is a bad boy. It's a bad crypto boy. And they're the only ones who will go outside the US and mess with you. They're the only ones who go outside the US and say, we're gonna shut you down. And there's no other equivalent that will go outside their own borders. And that's why the SSC and the US is such a center of the world, in addition to being the financial center of the world, being, you know, so much capital coming through here. You know, this goes back now, as I said in January, it's gonna be cold winter because A. SEC hasn't said how they're going to deal with this. And B, we've seen since then, you know, that market going up and down and keep crashing over and over again, you know, going down 50% in market share. And last week, it was Google saying, we're not going to have any more fake ads. We're no more bad crypto. All these bad crypto ads, they're just rip-offs, breaking the law, creating liability for us. We're going to shut them off and cut them off.
0: Let's be clear that you're not talking about ads run by the Bad Crypto podcast, but you're talking about actual (laughs)
2: cryptocurrencies that could be conceived as bad. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) You might not even have any ads on on Google, but yes, correct. Just bad uh, crypto that can be conceived bad. The SEC said, look. Technically, all crypto or ICOs, initial coin offerings, before it becomes crypto, are securities, potentially. And as such, beware. Uh, that was about two, three weeks ago. And then last week, uh, they said, hey, we're going to go after all the exchanges because you have these bad actor cryptos that were listed on your exchange as a utility. But we think there might be securities. So beware. And then last week, Google said, well, you know what? Yeah, the revenue from the, these ads are not that significant. We're a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, the liability is too high. We're just going to say no more bad or no more crypto or ICO initial coin offerings advertising on our site. And that follows what Facebook did a couple of weeks ago. And um, it makes me start thinking like, you know what? I wonder how much China has to do with this. I mean, China forbade ICOs, initial coin offerings, and tough tougher cr- cryptocurrencies the last six months. And uh, I'm wondering if, you know, Google and Facebook uh, has thought that, well, let's kiss their ass and, you know, follow their lead somewhat. Or if it's completely independent and saying, hey, there is real liability. And a lot of these things are breaking the law because these, you know, European, Eastern European, Asian companies, they don't know the law in the US. So why wouldn't they just buy ads and say whatever they want? So I would say it's probably latter than the former, but it still makes me think. Hmm. You know, does the U.S. want to be a little more friendly with China when Trump is trying to potentially start a trade war with China? So it's pretty interesting you know, questions to be asked at this point in time. Yeah, it's
1: definitely an interesting, interesting, definitely an interesting question. We we have conversations around this all the time. Like, what's happening? Why? Like with the geopolitical stuff that's going on, and the, the the potential regulation stuff that's going on, and different things that's uh-huh. happening in different countries, uh, that that's one of those things that that is you know nobody seems to really know the answer, and the and the market tends to respond in its own way based on the fear, and we've seen how how much the the market has gone down since uh, since January. So you know one of the things that. That Joel and I, you know, have had conversations about is is the innovation potentially leaving America, right? Because if the SEC gets too clamped down on regulation, a lot of these companies um, are, are going to leave. And, you know, most startups, 9 out of 10 startups fail. And so it's not that they're scams, Right, that they're that they're intentionally trying to scam people. It's just that they're using ICOs as a method to uh, to create their funding. So I guess through all of this confusion going on right now, uh, what advice maybe would you give uh, a company that's thinking about doing an ICO? Like, where should they even begin to think about launching it? Because it doesn't make sense to do it in the uh, do
2: it in America right now. That's true. Right now. It does not make sense to do it in the U.S. because it could be a security and be illegal. And if you treat it as a security, there's no secondary market right now to be able to give it liquidity, which defeats the whole purpose of having it. So right now, I would just say, look, most of these companies were abroad in the first place anyway. Most of the U.S. companies were created abroad from the get-go. And now, by default, they're all going to be incorporating abroad, even though their principles are in the U.S. So Is we are going to have brain drain? Well, if it keeps going for too long, potentially. But, you know, fact is, you know, people are now becoming offshore bankers. Crypto allows you to say, hmm, let me have my crypto assigned to my corporation in Bahrain or in Malta or Cyprus because I incorporated there. And today you can incorporate a lot easier in the past. I mean, you can do it online almost. In the past, you had to fly, you had to sit down with a banker. It would cost set you back 20, 30000 bucks to go abroad to learn about it. Today, the world' is changing. You can do that instantly and have a corporation abroad who may or may not have an office abroad and operate from abroad and then retrieve revenues from abroad, crypto abroad. And consequently, if that root jurisdiction has little to no revenue uh, and no taxes, well, you just save money. So what the SEC in, is doing, and in the U.S., it's necessary that they do it. You got to remember, the regulation we have has been vested and tried for decades. It wasn't created by accident. It wasn't created malignantly. It's created because people ripping people off, and you see a lot of ICOs ripping people off because they're bad actors. So what Facebook and uh, Google did, they're right. They're like, look, we're not SEC, we're not a police officer, but if a lot of these things are breaking SEC laws in the U.S. and we know they're breaking the law because of the way it's worded, the lack of structure, or because most of them are foreign advertising in the U.S., you know what? We're a $100 billion company. Do we really care about a couple million bucks that are going to give us liability for a billion? Of course not. So we're going to cut that off for the time being. So... That legitimizes my advisory businesses, my subsidiaries, and the companies who are there who understand the law and compliance and saying, hey, you know what? We might need to go to you, David, or your subsidiaries because you know how to do this properly as opposed to we're just going to throw some bucks into Google and advertise left and right and get people give us money. And if we get in trouble, ah, we don't care. We're in Russia. What do we care? Nobody's going to come after us in Russia. So it's, to me, a good thing because it gives us, service providers in the, in, the, in the market who are in the US, who are compliant, more value. And it's going to remove a lot of the trash and frivolous advertising for fake ICOs and crypto out there and make it a little more difficult for them to, to fleece and take advantage of people. So overall, it's good for the industry. Instantly, short term, yes, it will hurt it. Over the next couple of months, absolutely, because the market mechanisms have been reduced tremendously through those venues. But in the medium term and the long term, it's the best thing we could have had until the SEC tells us how we should be doing it properly.
0: David, maybe this would be a good time to kind of summarize what it is that you do at LDJ. Well,
2: to summarize what I do at LDJ, LDJ Capital is a family office. And it's my family office. I'm the first generation who made my money in real estate and tech. Came from Sweden as a young kid on scholarships. Was smart enough to get other people to pay for my studies. And then uh, pivoted to real estate and and Wall Street and failed probably 99 times with startups. And then eventually I learned from my failures to the extent that I knew how people were going to react and how business was being done. And in my 40s i made my wealth and today a lot of my energy is focused on real estate and crypto mainly because crypto allows you to reach the world and they can transfer your their capital to you in seconds you don't have to go to a bank and request a wire and pay 45 bucks and wait three days for the wire to go through and the wire gets stuck somewhere that all of those inefficiencies and middlemen Are removed. The flow of of, uh, tokens are universal in the U.S., in the world, and it gives you a certain freedom, but yet again, it also gives you abuse. So it goes back to the fact, hey, these regulations and authorities we have were put there into a purpose. You know, this all started in 1929, the real Great Depression. There were no rules. People were being fleeced and Tr- tricked and cheated to the extent that they lost their jobs and their house. And we might think that 2008 was a bad depression. It was nothing like that. People were homeless. People became vagabonds. So they created the 33 and 34 act uh, to protect from fleecing and stealing from mainstream America those years. The three act was to give rules how that wouldn't repeat it itself. And 34 act like, hmm, I think we need a police officer. Guess who they picked as a police officer? Well, why don't we pick the biggest crook to cra- catch all the crooks? And his name was Joe Kennedy, who became the chairman of the SEC in 1934. And of course we don't remember that. We weren't alive then. We don't even have grandparents who were alive in the U.S. Most of us are second, third generation in the U.S. already. Mm.
1: No, is, that, is that JFK's dad? Yes. Wow.
2: It was the Klan. It was Joe Kennedy clan mm-hmm. who they picked as chairman of the SEC after Great Depression because he knew all the tricks. Wow. You need a, Roosevelt said you need a crook to catch a crook. <laughs> but you know, today the Kennedy family is idolized. But in 34 and prior to that, it was a different story. Fascinating, isn't it?
0: Well, well not by everybody. I mean, uh, <laughs> some Kennedys are more on idolized than others, depending who you uh, who you speak to. So, you know what what are your thoughts then um, on regular people, those that we wouldn't categorize as "quote unquote" qualified investors, being able to partake in ICOs?
2: Well, t- today in the U.S. they can't. The regulation and the direction this is taken is that every ICO is a potential security. And as such, you have to use an exemption to be allowed to do it. There's three exemptions today through the JOBS Act. And the three ones that I've been writing and working and helped create was crowdfunding law. But you can only raise a million bucks. Not very efficient, this industry. Then you have Reg D-560, which is a typical one, but you have to be credited. You have to be wealthy. Creditation, according to the 1999 amendment by Clinton, was that, hey, you have to have had $200,000 in salary the last two years, expecting to have it this year, or as a married couple, $300,000 last past year, two years, or this year coming up. Or the third option being you have a million dollar net worth, excluding your main home, but including your summer home. So that's been the definition for the last couple of decades. Right,
0: but my that question loves- is, What's your thoughts on that? You know, Travis brought up a point that, you know, he posted in our Facebook group. He can go down to the corner and spend hundreds of dollars on lottery tickets, right? And nobody stops him from doing that. But if you're a he, if you're a small investor, you can't put $500 into an ICO. What do you think of that?
2: Um, you know what? Abroad, it's not a problem at all. What do I think about it? Okay. I think that we should stick to the rules we have in the U.S. and try to change them. I, and Congress, like we did before, on allowing people to do invest. But as I said, there is an exemption called reggae that I didn't get to. Reggae allows Joe Blow and you and me to go and buy any token we want. And that burden is really on the issuer, the one who's doing the ICO to understand what reggae is and then adhere, adhere to it. Reggae says... I love reggae, art. man.
1: Reggae is my favorite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No worries.
1: <laughs> no worries. Out. Get all be the out. tokens, man. It's reggae.
2: Hey, reggae. <laughs> Regulation A, that's the exemption It was created in 1936 uh, by the government. And it technically said, we, you can be watered down ICO. And we, we won't charge you as much as other I—I'm uh, uh, sorry, IPO. It's a simple version of IPO for small businesses. And it's been changing. It kind of died over the last couple of decades. It was revived through the job stack. But it says you can test the waters, which means you can go out there with a legal advice, of course. I'm not a lawyer, but you should have a lawyer advise you on this, and say, hey, let me try and see what people think about it. The problem with that is after people have been asking what people think about it, you have to go to the SEC and apply for an exemption to, to collect the money. In that case, anybody can go to the corner store and buy something as long as that falls on the reg A, which you need a lawyer for, which once again becomes expensive and not for the light-minded. So should we have protection for people being fleeced? Of course. In the U.S., that protection is a certain way. Other countries, it's not. Should we be like other countries? Okay, well, maybe we should move. We move to another country so uh becomes a uh, philosophical question do we want to protect it be protected how much protected and if we want to change that right let's go to c- congress and have them change the law which just happened by the way Reg A has been changed from 50 million maximum being raised to 75 which i think is plenty for uh, crypto
1: yeah for sure yeah so, uh, yeah and you know and, and you're right i mean a lot of these crypto companies are raising a substantial amount of money now I have done some research on you. I I was familiar with you. You you have advised and 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 worked with, you know, what is it? Like over 250 different initial coin offerings in the pa- in the past year. So you've seen a lot of different things uh, around these companies. And so maybe, you know, what is it that you've seen from these successful coin offerings about what is it that they need to succeed and, you know, what is the blueprint that you kind of look for whenever
2: you're looking for companies to work with? Well, I mean, there's also there's two two aspects of that that I like to focus on. A is who I want to work with, and B is who I want to invest in. Investing for me is when they reach the thresholds, which usually take them a couple of months to get to. And for me to work with them and be an advisor, the threshold is lower, and you know, obviously they're not at the point where I'm going to invest, but they're at the point where I'm interested and intrigued. And what I see is a strong management team with a good experience, as well as a good, strong board advisory, where they actually pick a board advisory group that will complement their shortcomings and allow them to be open-minded to different industries. So the variegated background of the board advisors that they picked shows us that they're willing to listen. They're willing to listen to other industries Come up with ideas that they might not have a solution for. But one of the things that always hit home is, as a venture capitalist getting into the space, is that you know if they've had exits before, which means they made shareholder value count for the shareholders in the past, they understand the dynamics of running a business and raising capital. And by default, that always gets me excited. You know, we have a couple of companies that we work with, the guys have had a $100 million exit. If they created a, a company and they sold for $100 million, they made money for the shareholders, which means they know how it works. And if they've done it once before, the likelihood for them to do it again is very high, especially at that level. So those are the things that I'm looking for when I look at a company. Of course, the secondary and tertiary thing is, are you solving a real problem? Is there a marketplace that's big enough for it? And those are the typical questions VCs have. And, and Is the market big enough, I mean, otherwise, why am I wasting my time if this thing can't grow bigger than, you know, Brooklyn, which, by the way, has more people than Sweden? That's where you're from, right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know, one borough in New York might have more people than Sweden has. Huh? Yeah, I saw in your bio, you
0: actually are fluent in six languages.
2: Well, it depends on how
0: tipsy you or I am. Okay, but I yes. want you. I want you to say "stay bad" in every language you know. Okay. Rest malheur,
2: mauvais in French. Uh, va en daul, va elak, va vild. Det they gat ikke så godt. You know, this is really a tongue twister. It's bad. <laughs> good job.
0: Well, let, you know, this all started with Bitcoin, right? And you got uh, involved in this, looks like, back in 2011. So let's talk a little bit uh, about your personal uh, feelings about Bitcoin and projections for, you know, where you think it's it's going to go here this year and then long term.
2: No, that's a good question. Now. Um, I like Thank that you. because it'll tell everybody else what's happening. Um, look, I said before it was gonna be cold winter because regulation hasn't been put in place and regulation is starting to downplay crypto. Facebook and Google downplayed it. SEC hasn't given us direction yet. A lot about uncertainty and it's been putting a lot of pressure on it. But as April and may come around, we're gonna start seeing that the regulation is coming in place. Uncertainty has been removed. Most countries that are relevant have giving direction what they want to do. Japan saying that you could be in an exchange. Korea switching t- back and forth, but now it's all for it. China saying no, no, no. But yet again, all the developers of the world working in China are getting paid in crypto, living in China, building it, even though they can't run an ICO. So it comes back to governments being able to control the money flow. And some governments say we're going to embrace it, and we're going to just say, "Go ahead, run with it," like Japan, and Korea. What's going to happen is that the institutions—they want to cut a check that's a ten thousand times bigger than anybody else. They're going to say, "Hey, we're going to put twenty million bucks in." They haven't really come into this play yet, and the two reasons they haven't come into the play is because a, the custody issue. People getting ripped off and the tokens getting stolen left and right, and crypto's getting taken away. How do they feel safe that they give you money? It turns into ether, and then suddenly overnight, somebody stole it. So custody has become a was a big issue, but that's been resolved the last couple of months. What hasn't been resolved is it hasn't been commercialized. The solutions are there, but it hasn't been commercialized in the proper way of streamlining the process so institutions can see that it's safe and they can actually put money in and have a way to leverage the industry. The public markets will say, hey, we have an index, we're tracking companies who do services, but we don't track companies who are actually buying it because buying that might get stolen. So as customers being resolved, by one way of doing it is insurance. Wouldn't it be great? I give you money, you turn it to Ether or Bitcoin or whatever. If you get ripped off, you're insured. I'm getting paid anyway. Banks as FDIC insurance, $20,000, dollars per account. You can have 50 accounts in one bank. Each one would be insured for $20,000. Those solutions have been put in place, but the companies haven't started marketing it yet. And these companies are going to start marketing it in April, May, June. And as they start doing that, more and more institutions will start getting into the game because they will feel that their money is safe. And that includes other public companies and asset managers and hedge funds. And as th- those checks go into the marketplace, they're obviously going to have to spend money on whatever is liquid. Top 10 companies in crypto are liquid. They have enough liquidity that if you need to sell tomorrow, there'll be enough demand to fulfill it. So obviously, these huge checks are going to go in the next three months, and they're going to buy the top 10 because they have liquidity. And that's what we're going to see over the next three to six months when it's going to be pushed straight up because so much money is calling in so i'm very bullish and i said before if it's half price good time to shop the market's high maybe you should wait because what i've learned last year is these tokens have gone up and down in value 20 to 40 percent every other week and uh I can't even look at the token value anymore because it's just too too tumultuous for me. What about you guys? Do you guys feel it's like not enough?
0: Well, we are not financial advisors uh, in any respect, and it's a running gag here. We're just a couple of guys talking crypto, and you know we're both bullish on on blockchain. The technology is uh, is incredible. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is is the granddaddy, and it appears to be the digital store of wealth. And you have people. We just had an interview with John McAfee here recently, and you know he's standing by his projections that Bitcoin will be you know a million dollars in twenty twenty. And he says for him, it's pure math based on the the mining level of difficulty.
2: Now, is he still going to cut his balls off if it doesn't get high enough?
0: Well, well he wasn't going to cut the balls off, just the, the <laughs> primary member. Yeah, yeah he's he – <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually asked them that. You know, for, if those of you who haven't heard it, badcode.in forward slash 100, episode number 100. And uh, Travis asked the first question, and that was what he asked him. And you guys have to tune in to see what he said.
1: Yeah, I wanna I want ask you, you you a question around this. So we want the masses to use crypto, right? And that's why we set up bad crypto, you know, to help teach the masses how it works. So we kinda we keep it at an elementary level and we as we've grown our knowledge base, we become more intermediate. We've been talking about these different things. But what is it gonna take to get, you know, you know, regular folks to use cryptocurrency and not just Bitcoin, right? But some of these other tokens, because there's so many of these ICO tokens that, that you know, 1,500 plus of these tokens now, yeah. but how many people use those on a regular basis? It's almost like they are, in, in some in some regards, it does seem like it's a security because people are holding them and waiting for them to go up in value. But what is it going to take for people to actually use these tokens more for their original intended use within these ecosystems?
2: Well, look... Uh... Look at overstock.com. They've taken a beating in the last couple of weeks because they're heavily leveraged in the crypto space. But fact remains that Pat, Patrick, uh, Patrick who's the founder of it, he accepts you know, a couple of hundred different cryptocurrencies to buy overstock uh, products. Mm-hmm. He saw that as an opportunity. And I think that leads into what you're asking. It has to become mainstream. And unfortunately, it is not an easy technology to access or a crypto that's easy to use. And the interfaces have to become better. It has to be more streamlined and become more efficient. I'll give you an example. You know, I work with a couple of uh, uh, credit card companies or rather one called Digits. I like Digits. I mean, they haven't launched yet. But the reason I like them is because they make something very complicated, very simple. And they're technically saying, hmm, we're not going to launch a new credit card. We're going to have you take any credit card, debit card you have in your pocket, go to our site, type in your credit card number. And by doing so, you can add your crypto account from wherever it is to that debit card, credit card. And guess what? You can pick if you want to pay with your crypto, with your credit card. And you don't have to wait for a new card or apply for a new card. We're just going to set it up so you can pay for it. It's still not still it's still not seamless, right? You still have to understand crypto and have an account with cryptocurrencies. But it's one step in the right direction of saying merge what we know today with what's the new version. And as soon as we make this more and more seamless, uh, the more it becomes acceptable and normal. You know, one of my directors of technology, Bill Davis, he ran the biggest European a mobile payment company five years ago as the CEO, and they implemented crypto in it. Um, It needs to become easier to use and more transparent and easier for anybody to understand it right away. The industry is too complicated. The technology is too complicated. It needs to be made simple. So, you know, those challenges exist for exchanges and everything, everything else.
0: It reminds me, David, of, you know, I've been a PC user forever. In fact, I had a TRS-80 back in 1980, so I've dated myself here. And I remember using DOS and having to finagle, you know, with interrupts on your graphics card and all this crazy stuff, typing in commands and Windows, you know, and and by virtue of the, you know, connection at Apple, you know, the Mac uh, with its, you know, point and click is what brought home computing to people in masses. And that's kind of what we're missing in the crypto world yeah. is point and click
2: yeah. and you know what you're absolutely right because a year ago in january 2017 we had 11 million users of wallets allowing them to use crypto today we have 23 million that's not even 10 percent of the u.s population that's not a lot you're right we're missing that easiness of using even Coinbase is not easy to use, which is one of the biggest, you know, way of getting into crypto today in the US. So I think we're steps away, maybe, you know, three to six months away from making, from making that Apple happen again. We need Apple. We need an Apple solution that says, hey, we're going to make it simple. You see crypto, you press the button and voila, boom, you have it. And that hasn't happened yet. Mm.
1: You see crypto, Boom. I like it. That's good. Um, so, you know, moving forward here, you've mentioned you've mentioned a few things over the next three to six months that there's some things that are popping up. What are some things or, or some some different tokens uh, or different ICOs that you have your eye on that that it, that's coming up over these next you know couple few months that uh, that you think can have a pretty big impact?
2: Well, you know, some of the critique of 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 uh, ether, which has been the most common smart contract out there because it allows you to say, if this happens, then you automatically execute. That's what the Ether does. It's a smart contract. If you give me $1,000, when I issue my tokens, you will automatically get 2,000 tokens. They're getting competition launching. You know, they've got companies like Stellar, who is operating, other companies operating. And I personally, you know, I'm excited about EOS. I put money into it. Now remember i'm not an advisor i'm not generating revenue or income from talking about what i'm excited about but eos was created to create a much faster version of ether and they've been selling their tokens every month uh, to the mass market by auction that ends in june june 1st that stops which means they stopped issuing new tokens, as I understand it, in June 1st. Mm -hmm. And they still haven't really launched their technology. And you know what? Uh, John Oliver was uh, making fun of them, calling them like, really, you raised a billion dollars and you don't even have a technology yet operating? Which is true. I'm still bullish on them. And, uh, you know... They got a lot of heat from that advertisement or that uh, 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 section of John Oliver a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, the promise and my knowledge of being involved with them is that they're going to be far more, more faster than Ether. And they have a promise of operating quicker. And uh, there's going to be new companies, new tokens coming out there that's going to take over Ether and Bitcoin and become more efficient, faster, better.
1: Now you mentioned I explore- be the Apple one. One thing about EOS, uh, David, is is the fact that you know you mentioned this earlier. You said, "Well, we've had if you've had an, if you've had an entrepreneur who's done it before and exited and had a successful one." Well, that's kind of what EOS is, right? With Dan Larimer, he's done it with Steam and he's done it with BitShares, yep. and this is his third time going around. And one thing about one about Steam and BitShares is that it makes it really easy to send. Like if you just have the letter T, letter W, seven three. You can send me bit shares like you don't need this big, all huge, long address. And I think that maybe he takes that simplicity in the EOS. He could really have something.
2: And you know what? Uh, I'm big into EOS. I put money into it. But you know what? There's 20 more. Yet again, there might be 500. They're just crap. Mm. They're, you know, Dogecoin started as a joke and has a what? $2 billion valuation. So, (laughs) you know, I don't I think it's been a little more mass hysteria. And we're starting to learn right now. How to evaluate these companies. We have not experience and history like myself, having looked at 250 ICOs to say, you know what, there are certain things that are common and there are certain things that's going to be hold true in the future. And one of those things are corporate America and corporate companies around the world are starting to say, hmm, I can create shareholder value for my shareholders by taking a loyalty program and saying, use me over and over again. And make that loyalty program a crypto, which can be changed and traded at exchanges. And if I issue only 20% of that crypto to exchanges, the 80% I'm holding are shareholder value for the people invested in me. So the point of it being that corporate companies and hedge funds and public companies are entering this space quickly. And they are easier to underwrite because they have real revenue, real operations for a long time. And that's why I call this year crypto Wall Street, and last year, cryptocurrency. And um, the days of the and libertarians are becoming more and more diluted because the mass market and Wall Street, and I, when I say Wall Street, I don't mean in the US and New York, Wall Street. I mean, corporate in industries in the finance area across the world are starting to see the value of having liquidity for liquid assets as well as loyalty programs.
0: What about the value so, of of CryptoKitties, David? Because this news story just came across my feed on Fortune. CryptoKitties wins twelve million from Andreessen and Horowitz. So,
2: <laughs> your thoughts on that? My thoughts is thank God the VC's are waking up. The VC's like Andreessen Horowitz and Sequoia who put in what four to eight hundred million bucks into Telegram. They're starting to realize, hmm, we've been resilient in Silicon Valley. We've been rejecting and pushing it back. And we don't want to embrace crypto because it challenges our hegemony of being the boys club of investing in the best of the best. But crypto is changing everything. Any company in the world can raise capital online before they have a product. And that's really challenging status quo for VCs. So Andreessen and Horowitz putting money into his the recognition saying, hmm, you know what? This thing can explode. We need to open our minds and say we're going to be in there early on before we lose out. So that's what he's telling me. What about you?
0: Well, we uh, we covered the CryptoKitties at uh, great length. You know, Travis and I were fascinated by it when it came out, and we had a hysterical episode. Uh, it was just, it was a riot um, to to talk about it. Um, and then we got to interview their team, and obviously, they are um, they're impressing people out there with this business model. I thought they were kind of dying off, but maybe they're going to bring new life to it now with some uh, serious funding.
2: Yeah, well. You know, it's uh, it's fascinating. Every week we see something new happening in the industry across the board.
1: Right on. So, I mean, this has been a very insightful interview. We're really grateful that you've come on the show. Uh, What what would be, you know, some advice that you might have for folks out there who are wanting to learn about crypto? Uh, Maybe they've not invested or they're just they're, they're trying to educate themselves. What is some what is some advice that you might give them just to kind of lead them in the right direction? Well, the first advice
2: is to tell them, look, it is very complicated. Even the easiest thing, like opening up an Ether wallet, is extremely complicated. So don't feel that you don't get it, but rather feel like they haven't created a user interface that's simple enough for people to just do it. Secondly, maybe go to Coinbase, which has been able to create a mechanism and process that's somewhat easier to open open an account. But not as easy as you would like to. Thirdly, definitely don't invest a lot of money and get excited in it. Uh, At the very best, to learn, figure out how to open an account for somebody and give them a birthday gift or Christmas gift. Might be a little early for Christmas gift, but birthday gift might be earlier. And to give them uh, 10, 20 bucks or more in a certain coin, even better. Give them five to 10 different coins for 20 bucks because, A, they have to learn about those coins. They have to learn about what the business underlying it is behind it and the mechanisms working, which really educates them inadvertently and you, too, because you're going to have to potentially answer questions. Mm. And that helps the whole industry to mass adopt because now we all have to learn about what we have in our pocket. So that's why I say, you know, put a little bit of money into it as a gift to somebody and then everybody has to learn about it.
0: Be an evangelist of crypto. Crypto, the gift that keeps giving. David Drake, ldjcapital.com is the website. David, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: And there's your edit, Aaron. Uh, Cool stuff, David, appreciate it. This will um, go out in a week or so. As I was reading your bio here, I noticed that you guys do a lot of conferences uh, and events. If you see an opportunity, for uh for a blockchain related event travis and i do bad crypto live on stage and mm. bring a real entertaining element to these otherwise sometimes dry blockchain conferences uh we we've done four of them so far and we're getting booked to uh to travel around and MC and, and do our show from the stage so uh just something to keep in mind
2: yeah well we sponsor you know at least a crypto conference a, a week now sometimes two so if you guys need more exposure i can definitely help you guys and if that's the case let's do an email tomorrow and i'll get my sales team to start selling you guys
0: oh that would be fantastic also we are going to put on um, uh, the first year anniversary of the show we're going to do bad Cryptocon. Uh, here in Denver, where I am, and um, bring we, you know we're aiming for about 400 people here on this first one, so maybe there's some synergy there as
2: well. Can you guys send me uh, what you guys would charge to do your bad crypto at an event, and I will have my sales team start figuring out a way to make you guys money. Sounds like a winner. No, that'd be awesome. One That's thing right, that David, I, one thing I wanted
1: care. to say, David, though, real quick is that I mean we have I mean if you're if you're working with all these different ICOs. We have one episode a yeah. week that's an ICO spotlight That uh, that's a sponsored show where we have up to four different ICOs on that. If you have one that's just like a really kick-ass one that's, uh, that you think is going to just blow up, we would love to maybe have or them on. Or how about episode. somebody who's paying you? That's true. That works well, too, right? Those, those, the ones that pass, yeah, the, they, they all pass. <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> okay. So how about you guys tell me the pricing of these things, and we tell the hundred ones that we work with that – you are, by default, the only podcast promoter that we want to work with, and they should be sponsoring your events.
0: That would be great. You know what we'll do is we'll connect you with uh, our business manager, Chris Poley, and um, you can hook us up with whoever you need to on your team to talk about getting us at events. And uh, we have we have a lot of things to explore here. This is uh, a great relationship.
2: Well, I welcome that joint venture possibility. Excellent. So, yeah. Really enjoyed chatting. Thanks, like, David. David. Thank you so much. Take care. Uh, Anytime. Let me know if you need me again.
1: You bet. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Cheers. What a great interview with David Drake. Really glad that he had the opportunity to come on the show and and agreed to come on. And um, you know what? He had a lot of valuable information there uh, around, you know, ICOs and crypto. And that was great.
0: Yeah. And, and I think we definitely, you know, some of these guests, well, first of all, I've enjoyed all the guests, but you know, some of these people, I really want to make sure that we have back because especially when you're talking regulation, you know, we have him back in the future. We'll be able to look and see, you know, what's, what's taken place. Cause this is a moving target. And by the way, that also the, the feedback to John McAfee episode has been phenomenal. And, um, in my mind, I think I've already decided that he'll be episode number 200. Don't you think that just would be, you know, have him back in uh, for two? I know he said we could call him in 2025, but I think we're going to call him before then.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's not a bad idea. And I, I, you know what? It's like, I don't like to laugh at my jokes too often, but I have to say my reggae joke there with David Drake, I was pretty, pl-
0: I was pretty proud of that one. That was cracking. Yeah, that that was a good one, man. All right, let's go to the mailbox.
1: Bad crypto inbox. you got Mail.
0: And Tom writes us via the contact form at badcryptopodcast.com. He clicked the link, took him to the form. You could do that, too. He says, a question regarding the U.S. embargo in cryptocurrencies. I was watching the Venezuela petrol coin, and a thought crossed my mind. Since the U.S. has sanctions against Venezuela... If you were to trade in that coin, are you not going against the sanction embargo? And does this apply to any sanction or embargo that the U.S. has in place? Since many exchanges are now reporting to the IRS, wouldn't there be some kind of flag showing this crypto is trading? Could you be held accountable? Just curious. Thank you. Love the podcast. Be bad and stay bad. Well, you know, we talked, uh, I think, in the last episode that uh, Trump has signed an executive order banning U.S. citizens from trading in the Petro. So, yeah, you can get in trouble.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and it's also, you know, for me, it's one of those sort of, you know, more moral issues. Like, the, the dictator of Venezuela is bankrupt, that whole country. Like, I'm not going to support him stealing the wealth out of the ground and using and tokenizing their oil and assets that they have. I'm, I'm not down with that. People who are he's down a, with he's that. He's a dick. Different. They're just down Tater. for the cash money. He is a, He's a total dick, Tater. Tater. <laughs> but not Jack Tater, who was a great interview on our show. He's Jack not, was. He's not a dick.
0: No, Jack was solid. And we'll link to the, uh, the ban of, about the Petro in the show notes. And not only do people write us to ask questions, they also call the Bad Crypto Hotline. And what's that number, Travis? That
1: number is 708 885 9030,
0: Joel. Because that's exactly what Jeff did.
2: Bad Crypto Voicemail. You have one new message. Hey, guys. This is Jeff in Spalton County, Georgia. When you get a minute, can you give us your opinion about proof of work, proof of stake, and delegated proof of stake, and some of the different coins that use them? And after listening to the show for about six months, I know two things. One, y'all are not financial advisors. And two, you boys ain't right, and I like it. Stay bad.
0: Well, you have called the Bad Crypto Podcast, my friend, and we are Googling for you because this is, we've talked a little bit about proof of work and proof of stake before. Uh, proof of work being that the computer doing the work is the proof that, you know, the transaction um, has been mined and proof of stake is that you're holding the the tokens or the coins. You're staking them. And, and Man, that's I, thought, how, I thought
1: proof of work is that you had mud on your boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that, it, I, your nails. I thought that when you drink a cold one after, you know, about 7 p.m., 8 p.m., is that, no?
0: And blisters on your fingers. Blisters
1: on your fingers. You know, that's what work. when I came from. This whole proof of work with this crypto stuff, I don't know much about this, Joel.
0: Yeah, so we we found an article on Steemit that um, is really probably more information than uh, than you want to know. And uh, so we're not going to go over all of it here, but you can uh, go to the show notes and, and, um, and check it out. So what this says here is that the main goal of proof of work is to deter denial of service DDoS attacks by requiring the computational work to be done before block submission. So in order to mine a block of Bitcoin, you have to spend or have the computational power or energy. Okay. So that's one, one way proof of stake is. Uh, also requires computational power, but it requires that the miner has a large amount of the crypto. They, that's what it means to stake it.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in some cases now, you know, some cryptos are actually using what's called master nodes, and you need to have X amount of their tokens to have a master node, which then creates this whole other thing, which we should have a show on master nodes uh, later on down the road. I was I was looking into master nodes with, uh, with VeChain, you have, to have ten thousand uh, V chains to do a full master node. Then that gives you actually a vote, and uh, I think that's kind of what the delegated proof of stake type of stuff is. Is that you know if you hold a certain amount, and then that actually then there's there's actually a, a democratic sort of features built into the delegated proof of stake, which a lot of users of the delegated proof of stake you get a, they vote for delegates and witnesses to serve on a panel of witnesses. So that way, you can make changes to the protocol potentially more effectively working together. But yeah, as Joel said, there's a great article in our show notes uh, with, at Steemit that Moon Cryption uh, put out, and uh, it really goes in depth on it all.
0: I wonder if his brother is Lambo Cryption. Mm hmm. So, basically, these systems of consensus are there to help keep cryptos um safe against attack to keep them decentralized and to make them secure and and That's about as much as I even want to know about it. I just know that the stuff works, but in fact, there's a tweet by a Bitcoin developer, an entrepreneur by the name of Jimmy song, and we'll link to it in the show notes so you could read the whole thing. but he makes the case that proof of stake. Um, it doesn't make sense that it can be manipulated. So uh, you know, if you want to dive deep in that, go ahead and dive. the The water's fine. This is a, a pool you can dive into. Don't worry, it's deep enough. Uh, you won't hit your head or anything.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he went on about eight different tweets and talking about why a uh, uh, proof of stake is a, is a POS proof is a piece of sh- uh, proof of stake.
0: Piece of steak.
1: Yeah, piece of
0: steak. Piece mine, make mine it's a cute. fillet. Yeah, let's sit down and, and have uh, a proof of stake while we go to the news. In the
1: news! Stellar, Mr. Joel Kamm, Stellar is, uh, is going on with the lightning in 2018 here this year, meaning... Stellar's going to be, become even faster. Like, I guess three seconds is not fast enough.
0: Uh, it's super fast. But, you, you know, Jed McCaleb, who was one of the early guests on the show, says that scalability is one of their primary focuses over the next year. And uh, that's why they're, they're going after this. So, you know, I guess you can never be fast enough because they're thinking growth. And as Stellar grows, because that's the intent, it can slow things down. So why not be proactive? with this, you know, get uh, get lightning implemented ahead of the curve.
1: That's a good idea. And actually, Mr. Joel Kahn, I believe Mr. Jed McCalum was our very first guest.
0: Oh, we did a bunch of shows before we had a guest on. Now we've yeah. got so many, you, now that we're immersed in this blockchain space and seeing that there are so many amazing people, it's like, you guys don't want to listen to us talk all the time. Yeah, you everybody want to hear. wants to
1: talk to us now. We're so popular now, you guys. they're so fun to talk to.
0: So here's actually this is an interesting leap because you know IBM has a partnership with Stellar and this story segs into an IBM story. Um, IBM, this is on Coin Telegraph.
1: I, I would say this though, take this news here with a grain of salt
0: because IBM reveals blockchain computer smaller than grain of salt to track objects. And devices, they announced the world's smallest computer. It actually is smaller than a grain of salt, and um, it's going to use it's going to use blockchain. These guys are innovating. Uh, there's a quote from IBM Research Head Arvind Krishna. He said they'll be used in tandem with blockchain's distributed ledger technology to ensure an object's authenticity from its point of origin to when it reaches the hands of customers. So they're going to embed. These ink dots are tiny computers in everyday objects and devices.
1: Ink dots—they're as big as an ink dot. It's going to look like an ink dot. Like, wow! Say that. Like say say, like say ink, a, ink
0: dot five times.
1: It's just—it's just amazing how small that's going to be. Ink dot. Ink dot. Ink dot. Ink dot. Ink dot. What's not hard to say?
0: No, that's pretty good. I just—I wasn't sure what it would sound like. I kind of like it. It's—it's it's rhythmic.
1: That's was good. Yeah. But that's really small. I mean, seriously, an ink dot. That's tiny. You, you're you not even going to know these things are being tracked.
0: You won't even know. So, but the, the, the company is definitely investing in um, uh, blockchain startups and they have a dedicated fund for this. So, I remain bullish on blockchain when I see, you know, Fortune 500, 100 companies getting mm-hmm. involved. Now, now, this is, you know, we told you that there was one part of the show that might not make you smile. And this is it right now because. If you're not careful, according to the story on the next web, the uh, Bitcoin blockchain could land you in jail.
1: Rut row. And now this is wild, right? So, you know, on the Bitcoin blockchain, in transactions, you can leave like a little memo. And, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto in his first tweet, or his first tweet, <laughs> In his first tweet, he said, "I am here." Uh, no, uh, in his first uh, transaction with Bitcoin, he uh, like sort of encrypted a message in there uh, to the recipient who was Hal Finney, and I don't remember off the top of my head what that particular that particular encoded message was. But what has happened is other people have used that same thing, and they've encoded URLs to child porn within the blockchain. So if you actually download the whole Bitcoin blockchain. Um, You know, you might have violated, uh, you know, several of your country's laws because there's links in some of them. And guess what? You know, the blockchain is immutable, unchangeable. I I would assume they can't go back and erase any of that stuff,
0: right? not without a change in the code, right? Uh, there's researchers that looked at this and they found more than 1,600 files that were in a computer code, you know, hexadecimal or binary on the blockchain, which contained more than 99% texts or images. And in these files, they found content such as Bitcoin's logo, a tribute to Nelson Mandela, Catholic prayers, but also highly objectionable content such as links to images depicting the sexual abuse of children. Not good. No bueno.
1: You know, and it's and it's probably very, it is 1,600 total files at all on the blockchain, Bitcoin blockchain, which is so huge, right? Uh, and then a very small portion of those, very objectionable content. I mean, a couple of bad players could have. Uh, Put those links on there, and um, no
0: bueno. And why don't we finish up here on an up note? That the uh, the G twenty, which you know, basically these are the the uh, how do you describe these people?
1: Well, they're the top twenty countries in the world based on their economy, I believe.
0: Okay, so they meet annually, and uh, you know, there's people that have been wondering: Are they going to crack down on crypto? Are they going to ban cryptos? And, and what they're saying is, right now. We're moving slow. They are not uh, intending to create any uh, decisions about crypto regulation uh, this moment, at least this organization. They're going to revisit it in July. But this, um, this is positive, and um, it, it makes some people think uh, there's some bullish news out there. And perhaps, you know, the, I believe personally that the bull market, you know, barring any massive negative regulation is is going to be coming soon because it's been, you know, pretty suppressed here at the beginning of the year. But I am not a financial advisor and don't really know. And you shouldn't listen to me.
1: Well, you should listen to us every episode, but not really take our advice. Yeah, uh, um, here,
0: but don't yeah. listen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't take your advice here. You want to listen, but don't listen. And you know you
0: have friends that that should hear and not listen. And we depend upon word of mouth. We really don't do um, a lot of paid marketing. We've dabbled with Facebook ads a little bit, but you know Facebook and Google and none of the Twitter soon, none of those places like crypto and and won't be you know running ads. So you are our um, our best ad. Because if you listen to the show, enjoy it, and you tell a friend, then uh, that's how we grow and spread the gospel of bad crypto.
1: Yep, yep. And you know what? If you'd like to help share the gospel of bad crypto, you can actually send us a self-addressed stamped envelope to Bad Crypto Podcast, care of CCP Digital, 10740, Nall Avenue, that's N-A-L-L Avenue, Suite 115, Leewood, Kansas. Six, six, two, one, one. And Mr. Joel Kamm, we have received a ton of fan mail with uh, the request for these stickers. So what we're doing is we're sending you five uh, bad crypto logo stickers and then one of the um, bad coins logo. It's, that's pretty rare. We don't have very many of those and uh, very cool. And so we received I don't know how many we received here. They're just people are so excited. They've actually people have sent us stickers. Yeah, I think we should Uh, do something
0: with those, actually. I think, like, if you send us a sticker, let's find a place there in the office, Travis, that we -hmm. can put those on, you know, like a big poster board. And we'll take a picture of Uh it periodically and show how it fills up with the stickers
1: people send Yeah, or maybe what we'll do is we we can do something cool with them at Bad CryptoCon.
0: Oh, that's an idea as well. Well, send us your yeah. stickers as well if you like in the envelope. we we'll de- whether you do or not, we'll definitely send you back stickers. And then
1: Will, hold on, hold on. Will Armstrong sent us a, some Bitcoin magnets. Oh, that was pretty thanks, cool. Thanks, Will. We uh, so stickers and magnets is pretty much that. And then everyone seems to be writing a nice little note. Uh, Jeremy Porter said, "Hey, thank Travis and Joel. Thanks for the swag and stickers." Much love and respect to you guys, and success on your podcast. Timmy, he messaged us a nice little thing and said uh, he has uh, hooked up his family with a few of these stickers, or he will. And uh, he, they took our advice. He, he wrote into the show, uh, and um, he, he he had his friends and family. Now they have a, a Facebook group that they chat all about the crypto. They they do family dinner meetings uh, once a week where they all they do is talk crypto. And one of his friends is a doctor who does YouTube videos discussing the psychological effects of crypto on people. So cool. Awesome. Well, a lot of stay-bad messages. So many messages. It's a lot of, lot, lot of stuff here. Thanks, guys, for sending them in. Gals and girls for uh, for, for sending us in a nice little message. And uh, we will send you some stickers. All you got to do is uh, send us a, um, you know, stamp an envelope, put your address on it, and uh, fold it up, put it inside an envelope, and mail it to us. It's called a self-addressed stamped envelope. Mail it to us. And we will mail you out stickers.
0: And that will help you to stay bad. and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Is regulation of the crypto... Hey, stop making noise. Or make more noise. Okay.
1: I'll do what I want. Who's bad?